And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Turn in your Bibles with us to Jonah chapter 4. Today, Pastor Elliot shows us God's warning about having an eye problem. Yes, an eye problem. Not E-Y-E, -E, but simply an eye eye problem. When we have an eye problem, it leads to anger with God and to being unmerciful to other people. And now, with more from God's Word, here's Pastor Robert Elliott. Let's go on to chapter 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Let me interject. Now he's going to act like a know-it-all to God. I knew this God. Can you imagine the all-knowing God of the universe hearing a rebellious runaway prophet say, I knew that, you know, when your kid says, I know, I know, I know. And he prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. In other words, I had a good reason to disobey you to go to Tarshish because I knew you'd be merciful. <laughs> These guys don't deserve mercy, God. I knew that. Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, and I knew that thou art a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. But I didn't want any of that for the Ninevites. I hate him, Lord. I know that you are these ways, but I don't want you to be these ways with the Ninevites, the Assyrians. I don't want you to be gracious or compassionate to them. I don't want you to be slow to anger. I want you to be fast to be angry with them. I don't want you to be abundant in your loving kindness to the Ninevites, the Assyrians. I don't want you to relent concerning the calamity you said you were going to bring on them because I'm mad and I'm scared and I'm prejudiced. And I knew that about you, God. He had his own agenda. One of the sure ways as a Christian that you can become angry is if you come to a day with your own agenda. You're not interested in what God has for you in the day. You are just interested in what you have to do that day. And if anybody interrupts your agenda, if anybody takes it in the ditch, if anybody takes it on a detour, you are going to become angry because anger, according to Bill Gothard, who taught seminars, the basic institutes of youth conflict years and years ago, Gothard said that one of the best definitions for anger is that when you have anger, it's evidence you have an unyielded right to God. You have not yielded some right you think you have back to God. Jonah felt he had the right to hate the Ninevites. And when God wasn't showing hatred but mercy, he got angry. He had his own agenda. So he, he thought that agenda was so good that it was even wise to disobey God and to go to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. 
And will you notice the problem that Jonah had is a problem that we all can have. It's an I problem, not an E-Y-E-I problem, but an I, capital I problem. Look in verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, Lord, please take my life from me. Death is better to me than life. He had an eye problem. We can have an eye problem real easy. He had proper theology. He knew truth about God and what God is like, but he didn't agree with it. And one of the dangers we have in this fine church, a Bible preaching and teaching church, is that we can know right theology because we're in the word so much, but if we don't agree with the right theology that God has shown us in his word, we're no further ahead than the people who don't know the right theology. In fact, we might be worse off because this prophet got so angry about it when he brought his agenda and tried to superimpose it over God's agenda, he got so angry he wanted to die. He got suicidal. His bad attitude led him to a bad solution. His bad attitude about evangelism, that God would mercifully spare Ninevites, Assyrians, made him so angry that he said, I'd just rather die than see that happen. Bad attitude led to bad solutions, suicide or dying. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, For death is better to me than life. He's saying, I would rather be dead than see you do something good for the Assyrians. Selfish? Yeah. Bitter? Yeah. Short-sighted? Yeah. Monopolizing God's grace and mercy? Yeah. Verse 4. And the Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? That's a great question. Jonah had a reason to be angry. God's question was, is it a good reason? Is what you want more important than what I plan? Do you have the right to hate Assyrians? Is that a good reason? To be angry that I love Assyrians? That has so many applications in our own lives, does it not? Do you have a good reason to be angry? If anger is symptomatic of an unyielded right, then one of the solutions for anger is to yield up the right to God. I have to do that often, and maybe you do too. To figure out what's making me angry. What do I think I have a right to get? And when I don't get that, I am angry. Do I have a right to get that thing? Or do is that a right I should prayerfully say, I don't have any rights. Jesus gave up all his rights, Father, and went to the cross, flogged, stripped naked, beaten, mocked, nailed to a cross. He gave up all his rights. He could have called 10,000 angels. When I have anger... When you have anger, often it's because we have a right that we're holding on to and failing to give up to the Lord Jesus. 
Jonah's right was in his mind, it was a right for him as a Jew to see the Assyrians to get what was coming to them as brutal enemies, violent people who did not bow the knee to the true living God. And then when the true and living God caused them to bow their knees to him in repentance and faith, it made Jonah angry. Verse 5, then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under the shade until he could see what was going to happen in the city. Will you notice with me that in this hissy fit, in this suicidal anger, he went out of the city and he sat down east of it. He stopped being a participant in God's will by going around the wall and preaching God's sermon. He minused or subtracted himself out of the work of God that God had given him to do, and he pitched a little pouting party outside the city to watch and see if God would in fact spare the Ninevites who were repenting. When we take our agenda and make it more important than God's revealed agenda, then we are having a little pouting pity party too. And we cease to being a praying participant in God's plan, and we become a prayerless observer of God's plan. Jonah was not out here praying. He was out here pouting. He didn't want mercy of God to come to these wicked awful people. So at the point when he was on the wall, he was a praying participant in God's program. In yet 40 days, and God will overthrow Nineveh. What a short step it was for him to go over here and to have a pity party to stop praying for the Ninevites and their repentance and salvation, and let's see what God is going to do. I'm going to be a prayerless observer. Let's see what happened. And then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it, and there he made a shelter for himself. Still has an eye problem. And he sat under the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant. Well, God has appointed a fish earlier in the book, same word. Now God appoints a plant. And so the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah, must have been very fast growing, to be a shade over his head, to deliver him from the discomfort, and Jonah was extremely happy about the plan. So he's over here. He's axed himself out of being a prayerful participant in the plan of God. He's pouting over here, and God calls probably a gourd plant to grow up over his head with big leaves and to give him shade for his pity party. He's pouting. He's, he's happy. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Pastor Harold, one of the annual events of our men's fellowship is a retreat, and I know one is coming up soon. Would you please tell our listeners about that? Yes, our annual retreat with the men. It's always a great time of fellowship and, and learning and growing in the Lord with our men. And uh, for the past few years, we've been uh, either here on the island or we've actually gone off island to do the retreat. And this particular year, we, we're planning to have the retreat in October on the Discovery Day weekend holiday, and we'll be going to Orlando. And uh, we're going to be blessed and uh, inspired with our, our teaching by our senior pastor, Pastor Rob Elliott. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Great. And uh, we'll be spending the entire weekend uh, 
over in Orlando, we've got a full list, lineup of activities planned with studying and even some entertainment. We're going to go to the, um, the Kennedy Space Museum. And we also got some uh, time set aside for us to do some shopping because we're going to be right near the Florida Mall. So uh, we can't go uh, over to Orlando without doing some shopping. Absolutely. Long <laughs> live the exemption. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, these we've been doing these uh, retreats now for the past 18 years, I think we've, we've been doing this now. And every year, it's, you know, we... We seem to outdo ourselves each year, you know, what we'll be able to accomplish and the bonds that we're able to build with our men. So we, we thank God for how he's blessed us with this opportunity. And we, again, open this up to even men outside of our church who may be interested in, in, in being involved in something like this to come on and just give us a call. We, we, we have room. And um, for those who are still thinking about it, yes, please. Wonderful. And if it was a man listening this morning that wants to know more information about the um, men's retreat in October of 16, you could phone 242-326-0800. Thank you. And now, today's personal God story. Today, Pastor Elliot continues his own God story from the point of his baby sister's death to his mother's salvation, and later on, his own salvation. Mrs. Clements continued to take me to and from her nursery school, and and the Lord gave her the idea eventually of inviting my mother to help her in a child's Bible club outreach called a Child Evangelism Fellowship. And Mrs. Clements invited my mother to come to the club and to bring me with her and to assist just to keep you know, tabs on the children. My mother said, I couldn't teach them the Bible. I've been in church all my life, but I don't know enough about it to teach anybody the Bible. Mrs. Clement said, oh, I just want you to come along and assist me. I'll do, I'll do the teaching. So my mother brought me, and she herself attended this Bible called for children, and she learned about sin, and she learned about the Savior dying on the cross and paying for sin, and she learned that Persons have to trust Jesus alone to be forgiven of their sins, and the Bible calls that being born again. And my mother learned all of these things through the presentation made to a bunch of children who were around her. And the Holy Spirit began to work in my mother's mind and heart, and, and um, the Bible verses that the children were challenged to memorize, I was keen to memorize. And with my mommy's help, I memorized all these verses. And in so doing, my mother memorized these verses. And they were all verses selected to do with salvation and, and, and the Savior and the cross. And so here my mother was learning about the most basic things about Christianity that somehow she really hadn't understood, although she'd been raised in a church with a, a nominal faith. She would have called herself a Christian, but she found out later she wasn't yet a Christian. So one night when my dad was out at a church meeting, my dad was involved in the church, although he wasn't saved. Uh, he came home and she greeted him and said, I trusted Jesus to be my savior. And uh, my dad was pl polite and, and kind. He said, that's good for you, Mary, but you know, I really don't need that. I'm pretty pretty decent guy, I do my best to be good. So my mom was really crushed that my dad wasn't interested in becoming a born-again Christian the same night that she had become one. So she talked to Mrs. Clements about it, and Mrs. Clements said, Mary, just pray for your husband. 
pray that he'll come to see his need of Jesus. Don't preach at him. Just pray for him. Quietly pray for him and let Jesus change you. You be a different wife to your husband than you were before because of Jesus changing you. But don't preach at him. Don't pester him. So as hard as that was for my mom, she followed her friend's advice and uh, sought to be changed by Jesus and just to live a different life and to pray for my dad's salvation. Well, a few months passed and there was uh, a thought came to my mother to have another child evangelism fellowship Bible club the upcoming summer, but she'd like to have it in our garage, in our home. And so she asked my dad's permission to have such a club and he saw nothing wrong with that idea, thought it'd be a fine idea. So our garage was opened up to another one of these um, Bible clubs, evangelistic Bible clubs for children. And I was part of that club as well, like I had been months previous in someone else's house. And in the course of hearing about Jesus' love and people's sin and Jesus dying to pay for our sins on the cross and that if we would trust him and only him, we could be forgiven of our sins and have a home in heaven one day. That was all presented to me again, like it had been before. And as a child in a childlike manner, in a simple manner, I believed it, I acted upon it, and I asked Jesus to be my savior. And I was very young. I was between four and five years old. And I told my mommy what had happened, and she was so thankful and and excited. And then I told my daddy what had happened to me, and he was politely excited, but still kept himself at arm's length from the gospel, really. But um, now my mommy was asking me to, to pray for my daddy to come to know Jesus as Savior, and Mrs. Clements was praying for my dad as well to be saved. And now... Today's Ministry Spotlight. Good morning. My name is Randy Pierce and I serve as Director of Christian Education here at Calvary Bible Church. Just want to share with you a little bit about our program, uh, what we do. It's often referred to as Sunday School, but of course it all comes under the caption of Christian Education. In terms of how our grades are divided, We cater to children from nursery, uh, that is birth to age two, and uh, we go into beginner one, which is ages three and four, beginner two, five-year-olds, primary, ages six to eight-year-olds, junior, ages nine to 11-year-olds, and the teens, ages 12 to 17. We currently have five adult classes, uh, to cater to those persons who are uh, in a different category. Uh, one of our classes is called Power for Living. It's led by Brian Marie. I lead a class called Truth for Living. We have a family life class that's led by Pastor Paul Worrell and Frederick Arnett, and a marriage and family life class led by Pastor Ron Springle. Uh, he is assisted by Deacon Craig Knowles, and a college and career class led by Pastor Wenley Fowler. We use a curriculum called LifeWay, Bible Studies for Life. And uh, that curriculum is used for all ages, with the exception of three of our adult classes. The current electives that we are using 
for the period of September to October is called Unvarnished Truth, Life's Greatest Story. Uh, it's divided into three units. All of the uh, Bible Study for Life courses are divided into three units. Each unit has six sessions or lessons, uh, with the exception of the third unit, which has just one, one lesson. And so our current electives that we are working on now is the true story, unit one, finding your place in God's story. And it's a study of how God created and knows us personally. Session two, or unit two, is entitled Unstoppable Gospel. And uh, this uh, study allows class members to see how God has designed, called, and equipped them with the power of the gospel. The third unit is entitled Give Thanks Anyway. And it's a study on how, why we can give God thanks in every circumstance we find ourselves in. Currently, two adult classes, a powerful living class led by Brian Marie, is studying Paul's epistle to Philemon. And our marriage and family life class is doing a study called The Song, based on the Song of Solomon, and that's led by Deacon Craig Knowles. The material that we use, Lifeway, Bible Studies for Life, has three components to it. One is a personal study guide, which enables the participant to have a booklet that they can take home and they can review and prepare for the study uh, for that Sunday. It has a number of questions in it, uh, articles, and so on, that will enable them to uh, get a better understanding of the content. Uh, it also comes with a leader guide for the leader to be able to do uh, some preparation that is slightly different from the personal study guide. It's designed to guide the leader into a group discussion around the Bible passages that are used for the various content, as well as there's some commentary that gives a better understanding of each passage and some insights that'll enable uh, the leader to discuss with the group uh, to a greater extent. Uh, the Bible for Life, uh, Studies for Life, Lifeway Bible Studies for Life also has leader packs that are used to help uh, organize presentations into PowerPoint and PDF uh, type presentations that will enable the presentation to be a little bit better. It also uh, uses Twitter and email to post prior uh, lessons and information so that the students can have prior uh, heads up on what they will be studying and also reminders of the session topics uh, that they can be aware of. A supplement uh, to the Bible for Life uh, Bible Studies is called a Biblical Illustrator, and uh, each time a series of lessons are, are given, a Bible Illustrator is also available uh, for the leaders to allow them to go into a deeper study of the content. And so it's, it's very intense and uh, very comprehensive. In fact, there is so much material that is impossible to cover all of it 
within the one hour uh, time frame that we have for Sunday school. So the leaders have to be very selective in terms of the material uh, that is used for each one hour session, uh, which goes from 9.30 to 10.30 on a, on a given Sunday morning. And in terms of the reason uh, to be in a Sunday school class, we primarily encourage individuals to join a class so that they can be encouraged in their personal walk with Christ and be assisted to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 tells us. If you have any questions or concerns or about our Christian education ministry that encompasses our Sunday school as well as our junior church, uh, feel free to call the church office at 326-0800 and we'll be certainly uh, be able to uh, give you some assistance. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. This question comes to us from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. And I will read them. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said, Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take my word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. The question is, to whom did Christ appear on the day of his resurrection? Well, in the first place, there were five appearances of Jesus on that day. First, Jesus appeared alive to Mary Magdalene. See Matthew 28, verse 1, Mark 16, verses 9 to 11, and John 20, verses 11 to 18. Secondly, on that day of resurrection, Jesus appeared alive 
to Mary and other women. See Matthew 28, verse 1. See Matthew 28, verses 9 and 10. Third, on the day of resurrection, our Lord, risen from the dead, appeared to Simon Peter. We see that in Luke 24, verses 33 to 35, and 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. Fourth, still on the first day of his resurrection, the risen Jesus appeared to the two disciples. Uh, we see that in Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. Fifth and last, on the first day after rising from the dead, Jesus appeared alive to the ten apostles. Mark 16, verse 14, Luke 24, verses 36 to 43, and John chapter 20, verses 19 through 25. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.